welcome back to the Mindful Marriage Podcast, a Hope Fellowship podcast all about helping you survive and thrive in your marriage in ways only God could imagine. I'm your host, Seth Muse, and with me is Hope Fellowship's lead care and support pastor, Brock Yonke, and licensed professional counselor, Tara Wiedemeyer. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey. Going well, thank you. <laughs> We're back with season two. Woohoo! Yeah, season one was pretty good. Season one uh, was, was an accomplishment. Yeah, it did okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people, people were really excited about it. We got about six, we got six episodes out. If you haven't gone back and listened to that, go listen to it. But uh, we decided we'd try a few more this time and, and do a little bit longer. We're rolling the dice, baby. We're, we're, <laughs> we're like, hey, po- positive response, so let's go for it. Uh, what have you guys been up to since uh, last season? Let's catch up, Brock. What's been going on? My kids are getting older and more expensive. They tell you that younger kids are very expensive, <laughs> but teenagers are incredibly expensive. Car insurance is unbelievable. Uh, we started doing some uh, university stuff here at the church, and so I've been teaching a little bit as an adjunct, and so that's kind of fun, and uh, just trying to you know, get a little bit better at uh, doing this life thing, this marriage thing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. What about you, Tara? Well, that's a loaded question. It's a little bit more of a story than yeah, mine. Yeah. Um, so very long story short, um, back in April, I had some health problems. And so I've been kind of taking it easy and letting my body heal, wrapping my mind around that. Um, but I just recently found out um, that I am a type 1 diabetic. So that's um, mm-hmm. my new normal. So... Um, it's, you know, it's never a good time to get sick, um, but I was in the middle of opening a new location um, in Prosper, and so it was just really, really bad timing, and I'm sure the stress of all of that did not help at all, and so um, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to lean into that and practice what I preach, and it's, it's been an interesting... Sir, Tara's been busy. She got yeah. very sick. And open up a brand new counseling center, and so no, yeah. no, no, no stress there. Yeah, and what's like funny that. is like meantime I'm sending you guys emails like, hey, when are we getting this thing done? Come on, <laughs> respond, Tara. And I don't even know. Like, and I'm like, in ICU. You're in the it's hospital. Fine. I'm like, uh, oh, it's I feel okay. awesome. I'm a nice friend. I know it's, things that are going on. Yes. <laughs> what totally a jerk. Okay. What a jerk. Well, we're glad you're back and Thank you're you. in, in on the mend. Thank you. And dealing with that now, I'm sure that's fun. Um, I'm sure that, like, when you're sitting there in the, in the hospital, you're going, like, man, did not expect that. I mean, type 1 diabetes is supposed to be, like, something you discover as a kid, right? Well, you know, the more I've learned about this, um, and honestly, I did not know much. I knew more about type 2 than anything. Um, yeah, it's, it, that's kind of a myth, though. I mean, people do get diagnosed later, but it is less common. But it is known as, like, you know, juvenile diabetes, that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, most of the time, people don't find out this late in life. So right. it's, um, it's pretty uncommon. And so very unexpected. Very. So I'm sure you're laying there going, this is not where I expected to be at all. How did that challenge your expectations for life at that moment? Um, well, everything kind of stopped, um, partly because I lost about 50 hours. So when I, re- I came to and I realized, um, like, you know, pe- people communicated to me what was going on and what had happened. Um, it's a very sobering, humbling um, experience, and I could not have done it without, like, my husband and my family and my sister and brother-in-law flew down and were here, like, immediately. Um, my business partner pulled tons of slack, and I can never repay her for that. Um, but, yeah, it just, 
you know, I, I went to bed um, one night and a couple of days later woke up in a hospital. And so it's just, it makes you really just slow down. I mean, you're forced to at that point, but you slow down and you're just kind of like, okay, like, what are my priorities? Where am I going to go with this? What, yeah. am, what, am, how, what can I get out of this? Um, is there any way to get out of this? Yeah. Um, there wasn't. And so um, it's just been, it's, I don't know, it's been very interesting um, and hard and kind of cool at the same time. Um, I'm really trying to practice gratitude in all of this and um, still have joy. And most days that's okay. And easy to do and yeah. some days i want to stay in my closet and hide from the world so yeah. an attitude of gratitude yep. yep so hard to deal with when you're being challenged like that and i know that in like your your situation is really pretty extreme you know and your expectations are like i did not think i would be here and i think that in all of our relationships that we bring expe- expectations to totally uh what's going on in our lives and what happens in our marriages and that's Really, what we want to get into today is like, what are, what are these expectations that we bring to the table? Um, Brock, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of those expectations in our marriage and how, you know, we can, you know, kind of come into that. Yeah, I think expectations are a massive part of either a struggle or some difficulties you have to work through because it, we all, you know, grew up in our family of origin and they kind of did things a certain way, and we kind of began to see, like, either I want to do things that way or I don't ever want to do things that way. And so we had some expectations about what a marriage should be like. And a lot of times, too, those expectations, we don't even realize we typically have them. They're kind of buried a little bit, but they're certainly coming out, like this is what we expect of our spouse. And so it's very difficult because a lot of times those expectations are unspoken. It could be from things about, uh, household chores could be things about how we're going to communicate, how we're going to vacation, how we're going to spend money, uh, sexuality. There's expectations all over the board. And a lot of times our spouse has no idea what's going on inside of our brain. And if they don't meet those expectations, we get frustrated and we get mad at that person. And I think Hollywood has done a really bad job of explaining expectations because they kind of teach if you really love someone, you should be able to read their mind. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, you know, there's certain things I guess we should probably pick up on, but that idea that I, we should know this person that's grown up completely, maybe different region of the country, different way of doing things. We should know exactly how they want life to be. That's just crazy to me. And so then when you get frustrated with the other person, it can really start to create some, some damage in a relationship. And it's all because of some subconscious or maybe conscious things that are going on in your brain about how life should be. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of those things that, uh, Maybe in your own personal journeys, have, uh, have you brought some expectations to your own marriages or, or things that you've kind of seen in your, in your relationships that, uh, you know, that maybe you weren't quite prepared for? All right, going first. Tara's going first. I'll go. Tara's going. Um, I have a plethora of those. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's, they still pop up um, because, like Brock said, if sometimes you don't know they're there and then some something triggers it or challenges you and you're like whoa where'd that come from and it's like that was buried six feet under and so you've you know even though that's not fun to like sit with and like um realize about yourself especially when you're older and you think you've you're starting to get your stuff together um it's a really it's a good thing to come into contact with so you can do some more work and you know um strengthen the depth and the health of your relationship and your marriage. So um, for me, I had, you know, 
so many things, but like I grew up in a home where um, women served the men. It was very conservative. Um, Women, the women worked outside of the home, but also still very much took care of the home. And so my mom worked, you know, sometimes more than full-time hours and then would come home, cook dinner, um, you know, take care of us. My dad would work. And then when he wasn't working, because he worked very hard physically, um, he would sit down and watch TV and eat. And she kind of waited on him hand and foot. In my family, the male and female roles were very set, very um, categorized and clear cut. So when we had kids, um, some of the stuff that I had seen in my own childhood and what was modeled for me started to really come out. And even though I was like, I'm going to, you know, I want this to be an equal partnership and like it's going to be give and take and 50-50 and like, you know, that kind of thing. um, I did kind of pigeonhole myself into what I'd seen my mom do. And so I took great pride um, in taking care of my children and being their primary caretaker and not asking for help, not wanting help, not being um, good at receiving help. And so, you know, I would sometimes, you know, be so tired and weary and my husband would offer and I would be like, no, Um, which is ridiculous. That's that's interesting. So you kind of took on the passive side of that where even you saw like I don't want to be in the situation but you kind of admired your mom for what she was doing and kind of took on those traits yeah totally and I think and absolutely because I mean she was like Wonder Woman but at the same time I also saw the other side of that she was tired and she would you know could that could lead to irritability or like not getting to do what she wanted to do and you know having to sacrifice for us or for my dad so he could do what he wanted to do and so um, even though I knew I did not want to be like that or to, you know, have those same patterns, it kind of just, it happened, mm-hmm. um, and was unfolding before me. And, you know, you get resentful after a while of like when people don't help and they don't pull up, you know, they don't pull some of the slack. And so, but I created that, you yeah. know, and so I had a lot of work to do there in receiving help and asking for help. Yeah. and being vulnerable and letting my husband do what I was saying I wanted him to do, but actually like really let him do it and have the freedom to do it the way he wanted to and not my way. And that is, that's a hard lesson to learn. That's interesting. Cause even though you had an expectation going into your own marriage, you're like, it's not going to be these certain ways. You kind of took on some of those traits anyway. Cause I think we all do that with our parents anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just hard not to, but it was, what I hear you saying is it was like, even in your own expectation, like it was hard to allow your your husband to be what you expected of him. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and which is so, I mean, I think that's pretty typical. So it just gets so messy. It's so that, messy. Yeah. It's like, I have an expectation of you, but I, I have a hard time letting you do it. Right. Well, because then you have to give up some control. Yeah. And you have to let people do it their way. And if you think your way is, you know, the best way, it's, like, well, then I might as well just do it myself, you know, and I still have to watch out with that. And not just within my family, but just in general, like if someone's doing something and it's like not going quickly enough for me, or they're not doing it the way I would do it. Sometimes it's just easier to be like, okay, just move over. I'll do it. Yeah. Give me that. And that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it helps. It's helping that person grow and learn if I let them do it. And it's taking something off my plate 
And, and it's helping you grow and learn. Yeah, too. absolutely. Yeah. Like every Enneagram one feels attacked right now. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's good. That's really good. What about you, Brock? What, uh, what kind of expectations? So you I have? was on the receiving end, being that male that sat there and got everything done for me. Um, you know, my parents were divorced at an early age. And so I think my mom felt mm-hmm. a credible, incredible amount of guilt about doing that. So I think she overcompensated. And like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do laundry, didn't cook, didn't pick anything up. Just everything was kind of done for me. And I kind of enjoyed that lifestyle of being served at all moments. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I, yeah, just, I, was I mean, just, it's hard to my, hate that. My role in life was to watch <laughs> sports on TV and play sports. That's kind of what I did. And so when I got married, I never, it was, again, the unconscious expectation. I had no idea that's what I expected out of this human being that I was marrying. But it's almost like I was expecting that person to take on that role where I just sat back and mm-hmm. kind of enjoyed watching football and basketball. And so, but it was interesting because my wife grew up in a family where her father did the majority of the work around the house. And so like for her, she had this expectation that someone that really loves their family, a male, is really going to serve and and take care of and be kind and just kind of be the one that works all day then comes home and works some more at night as well. And so we both walk into this relationship. I'm expecting her to do a lot of the stuff. She's expecting me to do a lot of the stuff, and man, did it clash. And one of my favorite stories and embarrassing <laughs> stories is, I tell this from time to time just to show how depraved that I was in the early part of our relationship. I was sitting there one Saturday watching college football, and it was a good game. I don't remember who was playing, but it was fantastic. And my wife just got home from working like a double shift as a waitress, and she's standing in the kitchen, and my glass has just got a little ice at the bottom, so I turn around and jiggled the glass full of ice <laughs> as a sign. Hey, honey, I need some more beverage here. And I've been sitting on my rear all day long. She's been working so hard. Oh, so that kind of shows the depravity. Oh, Tara, no. Tara is giving me a death stare across the thing right now. What did but she I, do oh, or say? I'm so uncomfortable and I wasn't even there. Yeah, I don't remember what she said. It didn't go well. I just know that for <laughs> sure. And so, and, but again, even then, it's like I had no idea. Like the expectations were so ingrained and so unconscious. I had no idea that she was failing me because of weird, stupid expectations I had in my brain and I was failing her and we couldn't even communicate it because we had no idea. just knew that this person was not living up to what we expected them to be. And so it caused a lot of frustration. Mm -hmm. And so since then, obviously I I kind of, uh, you know, re-engage has been a huge piece of my life and counseling and kind of figuring out a lot of this stuff. And so I call that pre-re-engage, pre-counseling Brock and then post. And so now I kind of uh, look at life so much differently. And so I'm, I'm very much on the egalitarian side now. And so I've had to learn to become this human being that says, hey, that feels stressful for me, but realize that if I, if I don't help out the house, that's not really, I don't know, fair is the right word. It's not right because it's not showing her love because she works too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've got to be a person that kind of, and, and even this biblical idea that, I think we get this biblical idea that whoever the man is, they just kind of order the rest of the family around for some reason. I don't know why oh, we have this. Heck bi- no. I know, but I'm just saying that's a, that's an expectation we get. Well, that's the example you see a lot. That's the example you see, and you kind of the '50s kind of got lifted mm-hmm. up, like the Leave It to Beaver show, like this is the mm-hmm. way life should be, and all that kind of stuff. But I think if we're really going to look at a biblical example of what a marriage should be like, I don't I don't have a problem saying the man's the leader of the home if that's if we're going to go there. But according to the Bible. If you're going to be the leader of the home, you're the biggest servant. Yeah. So you're the one doing the majority of the work. You're the one working harder than anybody else in the home. You're the one that's a better listener, communicator, forgiver. If you're going to be the yeah. leader, I don't. It's like might take on that role, but well, you've, you've got to be you a don't great person about it. You don't want anybody in the house outwork you in serving. Right. If you know, you're going to be the leader, that's your. You've like taken on that role. The only competition is how much can I serve 
it's like, can I serve more than you? And, and that's probably not a healthy no. look at things. But <laughs> probably it's, not. It's kind of like, you know, that's... If you're going to keep score, yeah. which is a bad idea in marriage. Always bad. Make, but this is a good way to... This is a good area. That's the best way to do a I want to be the thing, one that yes. does the majority of the loving in this <laughs> yeah. thing. And you're not expecting yeah. anything out of the other person, but I, you're just saying, I'm going to love I can't see how serve. that's like, would lead you down a terrible path, but you know, it's not a problem. Well, it could get it to the could. point where you're kind of like, you, you know, I've, resentful I've done these 10 things and I've seen you've done one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just think... You know, when we break down leadership and you really look at it, even at whether you're looking at a, a corporate secular company or you're looking at healthy churches um, or just scripture, like leadership is about serving, you know, and you, Jesus was the perfect example exactly. of that. Mm-hmm. He did not walk around entitled and expecting anything from anyone, you know, and washing people's feet. I mean, one of the most humbling things, you know, you can do, and that's our, that's our role, I think, as, well, just people. As people, but, as Christians. Yeah, yeah. but as, as parents and as spouses, we are called to serve, and that's, that's active leadership. And it's not a male or female issue. No. All of us are called It's a human to issue. serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting, as we've talked about these things, how much the way you were raised creates Massive. this set of expectations Massive, that you yeah. bring into your future relationships. Yeah, I think the media does a horrible job of setting up because we watch TV, we read books, all these things, and they kind mm-hmm. of set it up as this utopian society that is supposed yeah. to be this way. And so we gain our expectations from that. Like, oh, if it's really going well, it should be like the movies. Yeah. Right. Well, and they set a terrible example of just the like defining love. Like, you know, if if the guy doesn't fight for the girl and get jealous, then he doesn't really love her. But like, that's not true. Like, that's not what yeah. love is. We like, aren't supposed to... Like, love should have some kind of tragedy involved. Right. You know, or just... Difficulty and pain. Yeah. And we yeah. don't, you know, the Bible tells us that love isn't jealous, you know, and that we're not going to keep score. And the movies and our world today tells us the complete opposite of that. And so I think we're set up for failure from the get-go, unless you're Amish, you yeah, know? because it's all about, like, That's what all can I see. get out of it? Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, the, yeah. the biblical idea is, what can I give? What can I serve? Right. In, uh, in seminary, we had to go through spiritual formations, and I'm sure you guys did something like that. What, but one of the first things we did in spiritual formation is we really walked through our own personal history and how we were raised and what we brought to the table. And I think it's healthy for anyone listening to, you know, really dig deep into like your past and go like, what was I, what, what things I really see? You almost mm-hmm. have to, or you're going to yeah. be, it's, it, your past is going to continue to affect your present right. in yeah. a negative it, way. It's kind of like, what are those things that really drive you crazy about your own parents? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's probably something that you've, you've taken on as well. It might be, you know, or it's affected you in some way. You might mm-hmm. need to like list it out, kind of talk through it with your spouse and go, these are the things that I experienced. And I think that really brought a lot of clarity for me and, and it could for others. Yeah. And like coming into my my marriage and going, why do I have to have it this way? Mm-hmm. And like, well, that's the way my parents did it, and I don't know why you would do it another way. You, well, know, you don't know another way. And you don't at know that another time. way. Yeah, exactly. And so that's a lot of conflict there, and it's yeah. just really. So until you deal with that stuff, you're going to continue to find yourself kind of yeah. running against the wall. Yeah, and those, I, those expectations are huge. Yeah, I have people come in all the time that are like, I want to, you know, deal with X, Y, Z, and they. But they're like, but I don't want to get into my childhood <laughs> or I don't want to talk about, you know, my, how I grew up. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like you're the boss. But like there so often 
you can't move forward in the way you want to or think that you want to if we don't unpack and like like correct some of that stuff um or just understand it better and wrap our heads around it you know Mm -hmm. and so it's not therapy doesn't always have to be like you know lay down and tell me about your childhood but like it is (laughs) that is a huge piece of our stories and we are our stories and Mm -hmm. so if we don't like something about the way we do things or um the way we don't do things you're not going to change it until you first have some awareness around that and then some tools to move out of that space. And so I think, you know, anytime you can go and do some work on like, why am I the way I am, especially if it's something that's not great or healthy or you like, then you're going to be better for it. Tara has this example. She uses her hands. She talks about the brain or whatever. So I don't completely understand it. So I'm not going to pretend to be the almighty therapist like Tara is. But isn't it like in your childhood, like, isn't there like almost like a rut is kind of carved in how you think and, and your brain is like, is these certain, and you don't even realize it's just kind of that's neuro your pa- pathways. neuro pathways. <laughs> thank you. And so it just kind of happens and you're just, you don't even know that your brain is functioning that way and you're going to continue to expect and kind of yeah. see the world through that way. And childhood has an indelible effect totally. on the brain, kind of like no other time in life. Think about it as like, like if you're standing there and in front of you and as far as you can see, it's just like this open field of really tall, like soft, it doesn't even have to be soft, but that's what I picture. But like just this field, this open field, no um, tire marks, no paths walked in it. So our, our lives, once we start, you know, behaving in certain ways or thinking in certain ways or seeing certain things, it's like walking down the same path over and over again until that grass gets, you know, laid down, mowed over and pretty much dead because we've walked it so much. And so that's kind of how our brains work, you know, so it is our, how our brains work. And so if that's the only path to get from A to B, mm-hmm. you're going to go there. So we're going to keep walking that until we discover new yeah. paths. There, and there's we a new way to get to point Pretty B. unhealthy, unhealthy paths right. to get, deal with life. Yeah. yeah. These experiences obviously bring about, you know, a need to figure things out, you know, and so what did you learn from these experiences? Well, I think part of it is we, we mentioned a lot that you can't change another human being. Yeah. You can only change yourself. And so I think it's the, each person's responsibility not to point the finger at their spouse and say, you need to do this, but we need to go on that own journey. And for me, part of that road is like I talk about the pre- re-engage Brock, counseling Brock. And I, I really think that we have to just go on a journey of being as healthy as we can be. Like that becomes a major focus. And so it, does, it means things like going to some marriage things. And it never ends. And it never ends. If we're not yeah. lifelong learners, I think we're in trouble. But it, it also means going back. And so one of the best things I did was I went to a therapist years ago and we kind of talked about those family of origin it's called the genogram or the genogram how, how do you say it tara do you have a, an official therapy genograms harbulary batteries yeah there we go and so doing that was just the beginning and so doing things like that just to kind of understand that oh my family does have an effect on my present day and so that was huge for me to begin that journey for me so awesome so let's so let's summarize really quick uh everybody brings expectations to their marriage you're often disappointed if you're not self-aware enough to realize kind of what's happening. You need to dig into your childhood a little bit. But what are some c- concrete action points for the audience to work on based on what we've talked about here? Um, I think it's important to um, remember that you're not a mind reader and neither is your spouse. So a lot of times we tell her there's this narrative that's going on in her head that um, is not anywhere near 
close to true. And so um, I think anytime you get stuck in your head, it, it can be a dangerous place. So just no mind reading. You need to communicate very clearly. Sometimes I, you know, I tell people a lot of times it's until you learn how to really communicate well with somebody and like learn what that's going to look like with that person, it's okay to over communicate, you know? So, um, listen before you speak. That is so hard. And even if we're being quiet, a lot of times we're thinking, well, this is what I'm going to say as soon as I get a chance and we have this agenda, but then you're not mindfully listening. So mm-hmm. then it's, it, it kind of defeats the purpose. So, um, slow to speak, slow to, you know, anger, obviously don't assume, um, James one nine talks about this. And just being um, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. But, you know, people throw that verse around a lot. But I think if we were to, like, hold that up in front of our faces every day when it comes to having a conversation with our spouse, it would, they would be so different. And they would most likely be, you know, resolved and healthier and less. Easier said than done. Right. I mean, it's just. That's a hard thing to do. And I think sometimes the very basic things that we say are like these small things are the hardest things to do because they're foundational. And if we can't do those, then how are we going to build on top of that? Um, And just remembering that, like, if you want to be a good spouse and a good leader, even if that's like you're like in your small group or whatever it is, you also have to be a servant and you have to have a heart attitude of servanthood. Yeah. And I think. Tara often um, corrects me when I make mistakes. It just becomes obnoxious. So she did say James 1.9. It's James 1.19. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that out there for the record. Thank you. You're yes. correct. I'm so sorry. <laughs> My first time. This is fantastic. This is awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, it probably Scorekeeper. happened. Scorekeeper. Yeah. probably give her a lot of opportunities. Ooh, score. Yeah. He probably gives you a lot of opportunities to correct him. He but, does, yes. and I bite my tongue so much. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. But it is James one nineteen. everyone. You. He gets his one. Yes. He gets his one in. And, and, and for me, I think you know, a lot of it is conversations. Like it, trying to, one of the exercises I did once is I kind of wrote down, here are the things I think that are expectations that I have about my wife. And realizing some of those probably were healthy to communicate those. Some of those are probably unhealthy. And so I think it's important to kind of do that. And I think one of the exercises that we've kind of done too is like, just a simple thing, like even going to the weekend, ask questions. Asking questions is a big part of marriage and say, what are your expectations for the weekend? Because you might be expecting to rest. They might be expecting to go, go, go. And so that way you can actually have a conversation yeah, before great. you get in the moment and get upset with each other. That's so great. things like that. I don't know how many times that happens to me. I, I come home and I'm like, hey, this weekend we have nothing on the calendar. It's going to be awesome. And then I, I, I realize we're doing flower beds yes. or, or something. I'm like, wait, what? You know, yep. and like that we didn't talk about it. And it's, it's a point of, tension whenever we yeah. you know aren't on the same page about that kind of stuff that's really great well thank you guys this has been awesome great conversation we'll be back in, a, in a, several episodes this uh, we'll be talking about more of these expectations and how that applies and how we can communicate better um, thank you everybody for listening to the mindful marriage podcast uh, please subscribe and don't forget to give us a rating and a review in the iTunes store that would be really helpful for us and next time on the show we'll talk about uh, how to be a student of your spouse and we'll go th- through a kind of a therapy session with Tara looking, really, looking forward to that really, really fun so uh, um, we'll see you guys then thanks for listening Thanks for listening to the Mindful Marriage Podcast. Learn more about the marriage ministry at Hope by visiting hopefellowship.net slash marriage.